0: Mate, thank you for having me.
1: Well, first up, um, you're not in Australia, you're over in New York. Tell us um, about why you're over there.
0: I'm in New York, yeah. So uh, I'm glad we could coordinate a time that, that worked. If you hear a few sirens going off in the background, just warning you that um, I'm in the sort of apartment I'm in, it, it's in a pretty central area, so that m- may happen. But uh, I I have a green card now, I won the US green card lottery of all things, and was actually back in Australia for the pandemic uh, for 11 months. And I had sort of a, a 12-month window to get myself back over here. So I've come over to set it up and um, bring you a lot of the work that I do over to the US.
1: Oh, congratulations. I, I absolutely love New York City. Um, and I might just ask about the COVID experience, obviously, because how is it there, obviously, compared to how some of your other family members over here in Australia are dealing with it? Um, what's, what's America like at the moment?
0: Yeah, it's been interesting. So, I, I got here at the end of February and I was like really scared actually coming over, seeing that I'd been in Australia where it's so well contained and, you know, probably, well, I, I guess, realistically, the best place on the planet to be. Um, so, I came over here and it was sort of gradually opening up at that time. Obviously, COVID is everywhere. Uh, so, I've been really careful when I came. Um, everything's pretty much open now. Uh, they've really rushed the vaccines out. I got, I'm fully vaccinated myself. I got the Moderna vaccine. Uh, so, you know, that helps a lot as well. So I, I think it's been, hasn't really, you know, you barely, you forget that it's COVID apart from wearing a mask when you're sort of walking, a, you know, in a crowded area. But uh, I'm, I'm personally still, you know, just trying to be wary of it and do, do my best to, um, you know, not in crowded situations too much.
1: Yeah well um let's get into it um we actually share the same birth date I'm about six years apart <laughs> you you were born in 1987 and I believe your father Steve Brakes, entered politics as a member for Williamstown in 1994 so you would have been around seven years old so from a young age you would have experienced a different I suppose normal to most family households your father then a went on to become the longest serving premier in Victoria, as opposed to just being a son of a celebrity, you were the son of a successful leader. Did that put a lot of um, expectation on you as a child to succeed?
0: Uh, it did, but not from anything else other than myself. Like I, because by virtue of probably two things, I'm an ambitious person, whether my dad was, you know, well-known or successful or not, I think I would have always been ambitious. It's in my blood yeah. Uh, but on top of that, the situation definitely in my mind made me want to, you know, do things on a high level. Uh, and, you know, I've, i got to say, and I always say it, I've got the best parents on the planet. You know, they, they just want us to be happy. We're so lucky and they support us through everything. Um, but I personally, it, it probably did, you know, made me think, well, hang on. And, and I think it puts the psychology in your mind thinking, well, my dad's done this he's achieved, you know, something really massive and he's done it so well. It gives you a belief that you can as well, but it also puts that pressure on if, you're, if you've if you got the mindset of, I guess, like like what I have. So, you know, positives and negatives of that, but all in all, you know, I wouldn't change anything and it's driven me to, uh, you know, go down the path that I've gone down.
1: So there wasn't really any unfair pressure for you to, to follow either into politics or to do something really big with your life. The, the, the pressure just came from yourself, did it?
0: yeah definitely no 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 pressure at all to go into politics um i mean our, our parents like any parents uh just wanted us to be happy and wanted us to have stable careers and you know go down pathways that are gonna be conducive to giving us a good life and i've probably chosen you know that's probably been something that they haven't always you know understood i've chosen a very uh tumultuous career path where i've never actually had a normal job and i've started my own businesses and i've been in the entertainment world and acting and you know uh, public speaking and all that sort of thing so it's definitely different uh it's made it harder but it's also been really rewarding uh but yeah again it 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 really is you know if i boil it down and to this day uh, uh you know i've worked on myself a lot but i still do put pressure on myself you know i want so much out of life and i have to Every single day, reel myself back in and remind myself that, you know, I can only do so much on this day because you can get caught up in trying to you know, think too far ahead and put unnecessary pressure on yourself.
1: Well, that um, pressure that you talk about, um, you describe as an unhealthy obsession when you were younger with fitness uh, to be an athlete. Um, I think around 10 years of age that might have started. Um, and that was even behind your parents back. Can you tell me more about that?
0: Yeah, well, that was the first thing. The first thing I wanted to do was play AFL football as a very young kid. And I was I grew up supporting Geelong and still do. Uh, and my hero is Gary Ablett. And I wanted to be like him. And I would, you know, do anything I could. And my dream was to play AFL. And as a kid, I became so fit because I wanted to play it that I was, you know, running and doing more training than anyone else. And I started winning all these middle distance running races. And became obsessed with it. And I was training, you know, as an 11 year old kid for six hours a day and I'd be getting up wow. in the morning and, um, you know, hiding, hiding, hiding it from my parents. My mom was really worried. You could see that it was a problem. So I'd be, you know, trying to actually, uh, withhold, you know, what I was doing from them and, uh, it got results in the short term, uh, but it led to a lot of problems and it was, it, yeah, it was compulsive behavior really.
1: Well, uh- after that, I mean, you obviously went to uni, dropped out of uni and started drinking. What was, uh, what was going on in your mind back then? And perhaps retrospectively, what was going on in your mind back then? Because as we know, sometimes what we thought we were thinking at the time can be different to how we analyze it later.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, at that time, uh, I was completely lost. I didn't know who I was. I had built my entire psychology everything that i my whole self-worth on uh this need and want to be a professional athlete and that's i'd work towards and i'd put copious amounts of effort and work into doing this thing and that you know i got so badly injured that i had to stop and i didn't want anything else and uh i was lost and you know i also hadn't developed social skills i i'd isolated myself and there's a whole sort of backstory to that but um, because of the excessive training and you know everything else and being very shy and vulnerable at the time um not uh not having a lot of self-confidence or self-worth uh i struggled when i struggled after school and dropped out of this course and fell into a spiral and discovered alcohol and it you know went down this really negative path um so looking back you know i i I, I just feel for, you know, that kid and I have empathy for him and I understand why. And, uh, you know, in in short, it's why I still do the work that I do now where the core of what I lo- love to do is just go and talk to people, share my story, talk about vulnerability, try and teach people that it's okay to be open and honest and, you know, talk about your feelings, especially men, because we feel like we should have all the answers and be able to deal with all these different things. But at the end of the day, if I look, look back to my you know 18 19 20 year old self i i I look back to that kid and just you know my advice to him would be it's okay you don't have to have all the answers you know what it's okay if you fuck up it's okay if you're you don't know what to do right now that's fine you're 20 years old you know like you've got your whole life ahead Mm. and just take it take it back a notch
1: well a major part of your story though was um an accident that occurred I guess quite publicly in 2000, 2007 I think single vehicle accident in which your friend was injured and you sort of blew a, a very high alcohol reading and were charged. can you tell me yeah. more about that accident and perhaps what led to that point more significantly
0: well that was all the same thing that I was talking about there I was off the rails I had dropped out of university I was using alcohol to cope I was getting in you know um dangerous situations on a regular basis and at the end of the day you know something's got to give if you're putting yourself in that regularly enough something's going to happen and that did luckily you know no one was badly injured could have been a huge amount you know could have been significantly worse uh by virtue of my dad being um the premier at the time that became a national news story and you know it was a whole nother thing to deal with but you know again my message around that is yeah i i did the wrong thing i owned up to it i you know accepted all the consequences i i learned from it i used it to go and try and help other people and you know kids make mistakes and again we shouldn't ridicule people for making mistakes we should punish them uh and hopefully you learn from it but you know I, i didn't know any better at the time i didn't know how to cope i was confused i was lost i was acting out because i was uh I, I, I was not in a good way. And I, I didn't, I didn't have any idea, you know, at that time I didn't have the um, self-awareness to know how to, how to deal with it.
1: Yeah. There's no other way to do this. I'm going to segue um, into, I guess, some lighter stuff because I, I really want to come back and end this podca- podcast with um, some more stuff about mental health. So I just want to go to other parts of your life yeah. for now. Um, I think that uh you know, obviously anyone that knows you uh, will know you for your modeling work. I mean, how did all of that come about?
0: Um, I mean, basically I had been in the media, I was at university, uh, and I got approached to do some modeling work and, um, the the very first thing that happened, I, I was literally at an event and, um, one of the, uh, representatives for American crew, um, hair product Approached me and said, Oh, look, you know, would you want to do this photo shoot? We'd love to have you as the face of this campaign we're doing. Um, and that ended up being on this, this catalog in GQ magazine. And um, that got seen. And then I got approached by modeling agencies and started getting asked to do different things. And um, sort of the first thing I did was Maya Fashion Week and walked in this parade there. And they made a big media event about it. And um, it sort of went from there. So it wasn't something that I really planned. I guess it probably came about from being in the public eye and, you know, getting approached through that and, uh, and, and went from there.
1: Well, I guess this seems like a funny question to ask, but I mean, do you enjoy modeling? And I, I asked that because you seem like the opposite stereotype to a model. I mean, obviously in the, in the looks department, I mean, everyone knows you drop dead gorgeous, but you seem so nice and humble and down to earth. You talked about being shy and vulnerable Um, Mm -hmm. you know opposite to the bitchy or cattiness that that or being a show-off that some people might associate with with the model but but you but you also then seem so comfortable walking down a runway or being on television in a a pair of undies I mean do you actually enjoy the modeling part or is it a means to an end
0: I mean first of all I'd say drop dead gorgeous is a massive overstatement but I'll take it (laughs) um (laughs) uh number two um look I don't you know, modeling I don't enjoy. I love acting. Like I got into I'm I'm really grateful that I fell into that work because I uh and look, if I if I'm brutally honest, the reason I pursued that and then was on reality shows and did all that stuff uh at the time, you know, I was 20, 20, 21, 22 years old, I was young and I was probably mentally younger than a lot of people that age. I didn't know who I was, I was vulnerable, I uh, was insecure. I, like I'd said earlier, I wanted to be a professional athlete. Couldn't do that. Felt like I had no self-worth and I was, I mean, in, in Melbourne anyway, like becoming very known as a public entity and I was getting people approaching me, especially when I'd been on these reality shows. and, And that was to me, uh, fueling this fire of thinking, okay, now that I'm doing this stuff, people know who I am. And that means I'm worth something. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted more of it. And, you know, looking back, I don't blame myself for doing that, but at the same time, it's a horrible reason to try and do anything. And it's actually, again, why, you know, I, am a big believer in life uh, that to be able to, uh, you know, talk with authority on anything or understand anything or help other people, you've got to experience it yourself. And I've got empathy in so many areas because I've suffered from depression. I've been through hell and back. I've, Uh, had these experiences where I was, you know, that guy that was seeking validation by trying to become famous or wanting attention and all that kind of thing. Um, And that was UPL for me. Mm -hmm. Modelling to me doesn't, isn't something I, you know, enjoy pursuing. Um, But I, it also opened a door that, you know, the reason I got into acting in the first place was actually because I, you know, again, if I'm honest, (laughs) um, the short answer is I, I was getting all of that attention. I thought, how do I get more famous? I want to be an actor now. And Mm -hmm. I started pursuing it. And I think in the first or second acting class I went to, and I was terrified going to these classes, but very quickly I was like, holy shit, you know, there's so much that goes into acting and to be a good actor, you've got to, you know, do this and do this and, you know, understand yourself so well and understand other people. And this isn't something that you can just do overnight. Mm -hmm. And pretty, pretty much after like a month of doing that, I was loving it so much that, and it was helping with my public speaking that I was sort of getting into at the time that I um, I just didn't even care anymore. I was like, I don't even, you know, I was like, I actually found something that I truly liked and, um, and it helped me. And it was not even about getting work in that industry. It was just about personal growth. So all of that stuff led to something that, you know, I now really value and for, you know, reasons that are not about wanting attention or validation from it. But, um, you know, that was why I was doing it at the time. And I think that's pretty common with a lot of people, not just in, you know, modeling. I think it's a, pro- a big problem. And this isn't me judging anyone, you know, I'm, I'm putting my hand up saying, oh, I was the same. And, you know, right. how it's very hard not to be, but a huge problem with the world now, and, you know, is that everyone's seeking validation from so many different angles and, you know, social media, we all want to be seen and liked and talk about how amazing we are and this, that, and the other, you know, at the expense of doing the fundamentals of looking after yourself, having good, genuine connections, you know, Helping other people, doing all these different things that are going to make us much more fulfilled. We're looking for external validation rather than you know feeding ourselves internally. So I'm so, sorry I've gone on a tangent there, but you know that's no, sort of a very long-winded answer to your question.
1: <laughs> well, the other sort of uh, loyal following. I mean, you've got a a, a loyal gay following, and have appeared in DNA. Um to me that this seems to never have phased you you embrace people from all walks of life has that been your experience in childhood or has just the various opportunities and experience you know and experience led you to, to that point
0: i think again a combination my parents have right, i've got a younger brother and sister who are both amazing people and um my parents have raised us very well and taught us good values and you know to respect other people and and taught us that everyone's equal and you know it's just it's not something that I even think about. I find it, you know, offensive to even not uh, yeah, I guess even offensive to label people or talk about it. Like it shouldn't, like I'm, I'm so glad with how far all of this has come because it shouldn't be something people even flinch at. But so it's how we've been raised. And then I think it's how I naturally am as well, where, you know, like, like the work I do now where it's all about empathy and vulnerability and, um, understanding people. My, my probably number one thing is I'm fascinated by people and I want to understand why this person in front of me, I want to know what they've been through. I want to know how they, you know, what experiences have they had? How have they come to, you know, this position in life? And it really upsets me when people judge anyone because, none of us know what that person's been through. So uh, that was when, when that sort of happened, I completely embraced it. And I thought, well, that's fantastic. You know, like, and some of my best friends are are gay. Um, And uh, I, it, it just wasn't, you know, even a question for me about is this a good or a bad thing? It was like, great. You know, thank you. I was like so grateful that I had this following and these people supporting me and I wanted to give back to that community as well.
1: Well, you had another following uh, when you were a finalist in Clio Bachelor of the Year. Is, is being in something involved in that, like, genuinely, I don't know, gratifying, or is it kind of <laughs> embarrassing as well? Or Well, look,
0: all of that stuff was, you know, around that same time period of when I was modelling and on reality shows and, you know, soul-searching myself and, like I was saying before, you know, looking for validation in the wrong areas. So, <laughs> to answer your question, is it validating? Absolutely not. I mean, it's laughable that you're having a competition where you are trying to decide, I mean, how, how the hell do you decide who the bachelor of the year is or, you know, the show, the bachelor, how do you decide who like, you know, these are ideas plucked out of thin air. It's all marketing campaigns. You can make anything sound like anything. Mm. Um, it's re- ridiculous. It was fun. But, um, <laughs> but you know, again, if I, if I'm honest at that point in time, with where I was at emotionally with where I was at with my own insecurities and needing external validation I thought it was um the most exciting thing in the world and you know I wanted to win it and um so it's all perspective and you know we all we're all on a different path and you know I think a lot of things in the world uh you know don't have a huge amount of meaning behind them but you know what we can't judge things as well I think is what I've learned to because you know everyone's on a different path. And I think that's, you know, a big part of the sort of conversation around anything when it comes to mental health.
1: Yeah. With with the, um, I guess, Bachelor of the Year sort of stuff. I mean, I could, I could be wrong, but I don't remember um, many articles with you being linked to anyone in terms of relationships and stuff. If you Google Nick Brax, you get a whole heap, heap of stuff, but never so much about dating or, you know, paparazzi with, with dating, not much. It hasn't been that, I mean, you've been dating over the years or you've been mostly single or just that you keep your private life private. A
0: um, bit of both Been single, been dating um, mainly though. Uh, keep it private. You know, it's not, thing that i feel like needs to be talked about should be talked about i mean i'm not even that well known but you know i can't imagine what it would be like for these you know legitimate you know major celebrities being hounded about their personal lives i mean it's like like i am I'm, I'm willing to talk about if i'm involved in a project or i've got a book coming out soon you know and I'll obviously be publicizing and talking about that because i believe in the end goal of what we're trying to do and i talk all the time i'm incredibly vocal about mental health but i don't really believe or see any reason or rationale in talking about a relationship. I think that's something that is private and, uh, you know, it doesn't really make sense to me to, to publicize that.
1: All right. Well, I want to talk about, um, dancing with the stars. I'm only going to ask you two questions about that. Um, obviously you were on dancing with the stars. I just wanted you to tell me a bit about that experience because I understand you almost pulled out at the last minute.
0: I did. I, um, I was terrified. I was so shy and insecure and, you know, just got I, I'd coming out of this bout of depression. And I'd been through university and got over this fear of public speaking where I was so terrified that I almost pulled out of the course at university and I'd vomit talking in front of, you know, four or five people. And uh, wow. I had to read off a sheet of paper and I'd be literally like looking at the floor and shaking and, you know, mumbling as I was like talking. And uh, I, I, I did almost pull out of it and it was only because I, I had to get some structure in my life and, you know, get on track that I didn't. Uh, So I'd come out of that. And then I got asked to go on this show and I was like, you know, how the hell am I going to go and dance on live TV with, you know, this live audience? Uh, I think they were averaging around 2 million viewers an episode. And, you know, I wouldn't even dance if I met with my friends and I'd got over Mm -hmm. this fear of speaking. So I was, I was on the phone to the producer about to pull out. And the only reason I didn't was because I, I thought to myself well number one you know I was working with Beyond Blue at the time and you get to work with a charity and I wanted to even at that point I was like I want to help in mental health and this is a chance to do it and I thought well even though I'm terrified this is a chance to really break me open and get over a lot of my you know fears and insecurities and shyness and I stuck to it for that reason and um, probably one of the worst dancers in the history of that bloody show but I stayed in (laughs) there for like seven out of the 10 weeks somehow a lot of people must have voted for me and um, (laughs) and it became, you know, a really important experience for me.
1: Well, I, I want to come back to this idea about how you feel about modeling because With Dancing with the Stars, I was watching again your dances on the show, and and I'm sure you'll remember the rumba you did with Jess, with the Robbie Williams song, and the shirt came off and so on. Um, There was all this screaming, and much of the judges' talk was actually about your body as opposed to your dance. You made one Mm -hmm. throwaway comment um, that taking your shirt off was awkward. You must, be, you must have been at the time, I can imagine, so focused on the dance moves and putting on this big performance. But then the reaction and talk is about your body. Um, you seem to want to refocus on the dance. Is it's being, you know, inverted commas, hot for a better term, a double-edged sword?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in that it was like, yeah, exactly. It was just sort of the 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 story behind the shirt thing was there was the two young guys on that show were me and um Dan Ewing who is an actor of Home and Away and we became good good mates and we'd sort of joke and take the piss out of each other and there was all talk in the show of you know who's going to be the first someone on every season takes your top off Mm. and um (laughs) so we were joking around everyone was joking about it it was like I think it was episode three or four and we thought let's just do it because Dan's going to do it soon. Let's beat him to it. You know, wanted to sort of get a one one up on him. So we did it in that um, and beat him to it, which is kind of funny, but, but yeah, I, I I think, um, again, it comes back to, you know, I guess like a little bit of a negative, uh, if you want to look at it that way in terms of people thinking, Oh, you're a model and you know, you, you just, you know, parading it around and that's what your, your value is, but I don't really care because, that stuff gave me a platform to talk about mental health. So without all of that, I wouldn't have probably gone down this, you know, had the opening to talk about this stuff and people can think what they want. You know, hopefully I've done enough in that area over the last 10 years, since all that stuff that they've changed their perspective and from what I see they have. And I think that's, you know, that's all that really matters just what we actually do rather than what people think or what we say. Uh, And that's, that's how I try and view everything because like, we can't control, you know, a lot in life, but we control what we do and, you know, what foot forward we put. And um, I think if you live by that every day, you know, you make life easier for yourself.
1: You um, were talking about a passion for acting before. And of course um, you you did get a role in in Neighbours. How, how did that come about?
0: Um, so I did, I actually was very fortunate <clears throat> early on in my acting career. I... Um, was curious trying a few different classes here and there was very green had no idea you know anything about it and quite early on got introduced to Craig McMahon who's still my manager in Australia now and he runs a film school in in Melbourne and he took me on and very kindly put me through his his film school and I did a full-time course and um, learned a huge amount and then kept in classes and around that time I started auditioning and I think I auditioned for that neighbors maybe five or six times and um, <clears throat> they had sort of said to me by the end, look, we like you, you, we want you for something, but we haven't found the right role. And when I landed that, that I actually um, got a call from my manager saying, from Craig, saying that, you know, six months later, they want you for this role and they you know, had me on record. So I didn't even audition for that particular one and got the role and it was meant to be, I think, one or two episodes and they extended it and turned into an ongoing guest role and, uh, yeah, was a great. That's how that came about, and um, you know, was a really good experience for me and early on in my acting career.
1: There's been a lot written about the culture of neighbours um, and racism on the show, mental health uh, with some of the stars um, from different cultures. In retrospect, was there any? Was there anything concerning that you saw, or or not really?
0: There wasn't. You know, I only heard about that briefly, and I you know don't know anything about it. Um, so obviously it's a terrible thing if if that happened or you know apparently what happened which you know i think is horrible um from what i saw it was a really positive experience i uh one of my close friends actually i'll give him a shout out tim kano hopefully he listens to this um you know where he's one of my best friends now and you know i met him on it and we really bonded and you know, that, that's probably one of the, the great things I take out of it, a friendship that I made. And the cast were really accommodating. All the crew were really great, made me feel comfortable. Um, I was nervous probably on the first drive in there. And by that afternoon, I was completely comfortable. And the rest was, you know, all smooth sailing. So it, it felt to me like a really tight-knit group. But again, you know, like anything, anything to do with racism or anything like that in any workplace is a shocking thing and uh, definitely that if that happens it needs to be dealt with
1: yeah well let's get into I suppose I you know it's considered the more he- heavy stuff in, in one of your videos you talk about someone in Australia committing suicide every 40 seconds I mean that's extraordinary um, obviously that mm. would, would not include you know attempted suicides you mm. know I mean I fall into that category and attempted suicide after the death of my sister um, you dealt with all sorts of issues growing up compulsive OCD type issues pressure what would you say to someone that says to you, "What are you on about, Nick? You've got loving, supporting parents. You're drop dead gorgeous. You have opportunities thrown at you. Why would you? Why would you feel like that? Or why would you feel all of this pressure when you've got everything going for you?"
0: Yeah, um, and yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's a shocking statistic. One person around the world every forty seconds commits suicide. But you know the the point, and this has come up in a lot of the talks I've done where. I've been in a factory and, you know, people were laughing at me at the beginning because these guys have dealt with some really heavy things and I emphasize with them about it. And, um, And they're like, you know, this young guy and they've got a perception of me. Why, you know, who the hell is this young guy to come and tell us who have been through all these horrific things about mental health? And I get it, but at the same time, my answer to that is, well, I'm trying to show an example. I'm not unique. My story is not unique. I'm just one person out of millions of people that have had mental health issues. And I'm trying to use that story and the resources I have behind me in this organization, the move your mind, you know, programs that we run to educate people. And this doesn't discriminate. It's not about anything external. I mean, it can be brought on by that, of course, but there's so many elements and it's so complicated. And it's something that can affect anyone. And I think that's where we need to get at, not, not labeling or judging or looking at who's better or worse, or, you know, in the middle, it's about if someone's suffering, then they should be comfortable to talk about it. They should be made to feel comfortable and they should be, even if they don't have in their immediate um, family or friends, that support system, they should be able to access it through various different means and, uh, you know, I'm I'm talking about it for that reason as well, to show that, well, yeah, great, you know, I'm on paper might have things going for me that people think should not lead to having that. That's nothing to do with it, you know. We're we're all human. We feel things and uh I'm sure there's a lot of people. There's a lot of very wealthy people, a lot of celebrities, as we all know, that suffer from mental health issues and and uh it, it doesn't discriminate.
1: Mm. Well, I guess we talked about, you talked about it It doesn't discriminate socioeconomic backgrounds, gender, race, sexual orientation, sexuality. Although we do know, though, that there can be higher rates though in certain demographics, right?
0: Definitely. There can be higher rates in certain demographics, and it can be exacerbated by certain areas, of course. And, you know, like, I think an important thing to remember is when it comes to the topic of mental health, it's incredibly complicated and you know what works for one person might not work for another and we need to again you know the big thing I talk about is we need to talk about this and Mm. we need to be educated about it because we just need to understand what's out there and what's available to us you know for one person it might be that a psychologist is going to be you know doing regular work with a psychologist is going to be the resource that they need for someone else it might not work they might need help from a friend to just talk to or vent to they might need um, a combination of a lot of things, you know, an exercise program, meditation, seeing a psychologist every two weeks, uh, being on antidepressants, you know, can help a lot of people. So the landscape for, you know, how to explore this is really vast and there's so many different things to delve into. So my my big thing on that is um, we just need to be educated so we can actually understand on a societal level uh, some, of the, some of the points you're bringing
1: up. Well, you've done a well, you've done a lot and, and are still doing a lot in the mental health space. For the audience, it's really simple. For, for, for the website, you can go to nickbrax.com. Look, there's a lot of content in there, but tell me more about the Move Your Mind podcast.
0: Yeah, so um, Move Your Mind uh, is a mental health-based podcast where we're interviewing a range of Uh, profiled people and experts and really the goal of that is we're just having these open and honest conversations and with these people that are you know that are known and that have a public profile it's more less about their career more about who are you as a human what have you been through what did you have to go through to develop the mindset you had trying to you know extract that to help the listener and and then learning from different experts so we started that about a year ago um, had, had a lot of traction through it which has been great i've rebranded everything i do now into move your mind and we have uh video programs and audio programs and in public speaking um where i've got a book coming out called movie Your mind uh, being published by wiley and that uh gets released in uh august this year in australia uh and that's again you know sort of combining a lot of the stuff i do and it's got a common thread of my own insights and story and uh interviews from experts and uh and celebrities and uh it's a really i guess in short a mental health bible that people can hopefully pick up and and use as a toolkit to to, you know to learn and and to to actually guide them in, you know what can i do how can i help myself
1: i I like the title move your mind because to me it seems nine times out of ten it's a simple wiring in our in our brains that stops us from being who we want to be Um, in your case you had a supportive family a successful modeling career I'm sure finances were okay, but you were grappling with fear and, and 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 pressure took over your life. So I guess if you can move your mind, you can overcome anything, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. If you can move your mind, change your perception, um, even on a simple term like a movement, actual physical movement helps so much with our mindset. So I think there's a lot of, you know, um, things to be taken out of the name "move your mind," and you know that's why we we came up with it in the in in the beginning. Um, and I, I think that's what, you know, hopefully we're educating people about, you know, just move your mind, change that perception, even if it's changing it by, you know, 5%, just try and see things from a different perspective and open yourself up to other other ways of looking at things.
1: Well, there's so much you're doing right now, and you're even offering um, training for employers. Um, tell, me, tell me more about that.
0: Yeah, so we uh, offer, like I do public speaking, I've been doing that for 10 years, we've got programs, programs programs where they're going uh, audio based learning programs they come with the sort of the main course is a 10 part mental health masterclass course it's almost like a mental health 101 learning kit we've got psychologists we've got different experts for areas around nutrition sleep meditation anxiety um, different models habit formation models um, and it comes with workbooks and printable toolkits as well so uh we have you know we're, we, we license that into companies and it's designed to be an ongoing toolkit to help to help learn and you can also purchase that if you're an individual anyone listening if you go onto my website um you can actually find it on there and 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 purchase it for your own use
1: i want to uh go through a few scenarios perhaps and you can throw in some advice there now you've In a previous uh, question I asked you, I I think you generally answered this question, but if you want to add sort of uh, anything more to it. So the first scenario, um, you have a brilliant young man with a a beautiful and successful and supportive family. His father is successful and well-known in the community and across the media. And although this young man loves his father, he wants to step outside the shadow um, of him and goes about it in almost an obsessive way. He drops out of university, is involved in a car crash and becomes Uh, high profile you know that becomes high profile and he's grappled with fear and 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 pressure at the height of all of that and the car crash and everything that's going on with this with this young man what advice would you give to him
0: it would be pretty simple i'd say to him you know what you are enough you don't have to prove anything you're already fundamentally enough as a person and it's going to be okay you don't have to have all the answers life's going to be confusing. And that's probably never going to change, you know, no one ever has all the answers to anything. So I'll just be really saying that, that, you know, you're enough as you are right now and it's okay, you know, just, it's okay to be, to be confused.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Sorry, is it, is it okay if I take, sorry, I don't know if you can edit this after I just um, have someone that's continually buzzing the door. Is that okay? I don't know take a pause. No, of course. Sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, I'll be like literally um, probably three minutes.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: three minutes. All right. No problem. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Sorry about that, mate. That's okay. All these, good.
1: These things happen. All right. I'll just pick <clears> up with, pick up where, uh, okay. Yes, and for those of you playing at home, that, of course, was uh, the story of uh, Nick Brax. Um, here's another scenario. So you have a young man with a horrific childhood, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, manipulation, negli- uh, negligence, who... Like the previous example, wants to escape the shadow and be himself. His support um, and only real support is his sister, who who he cherishes but ultimately dies when she's 15. The young man attempts suicide, gets through that, but lives in fear of trust um, to the point where he's not been in a relationship for 20 years. He spends most of his life in an advocating role and community service role. He also works in sections of the media and ends up interviewing a guy called Nick breaks about mental health after, um, and and after the death of his sister, and 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 haunted by trust issues, and he's you know with all his past, he obviously wants to move move forward. Um, how how can he successfully move forward?
0: Well, first of all, uh, yeah, I'd say, um, and I think I know who we're you know talking <laughs> about here, <yeah, laughs> but um, I would say you know, a, he's got to give himself credit for what he's been through and, you know, how um, much resilience, you know, I think more resilience than almost anyone on the planet to go through all of that and come out level-headed. And I think that, you know, is a war-worthy achievement than anything, any amount of fame or money or other things that society often, you know, praises people for, uh, you know... It, it, So I think giving yourself credit for that is, is, is the first thing. And then, and then it's about reminding yourself that, you know, we're all on a different path. We can only do, you know, deal with what's in front of us, taking things one step at a time and trying to learn from the experience, trying to work on yourself, trying to have a good support team around you, having family, friends, um, having, you know, therapists, whatever the, whatever that support team looks like, having that and checking in and doing things daily that are going to keep you on track. I know for me, you know, it's like exercising every morning. I meditate, I write in a gratitude journal. I uh, do my acting. I do breathing exercises. I have, I'm very lucky that I've got a close knit family and I've got three people that I can talk to 24 seven every single day. So things like that, you know, having that in place and, and, and then, you know, really looking at um, how can I use that experience to, to help others? So I think that's, there's nothing more meaningful than that. So I think it's, often comes down to just reminding yourself that, um, you know, giving yourself credit for what you've been through and overcome and, you know, the path that you're on.
1: I will sort of preface, uh, you know, with a footnote with with that and just say, uh, like Nick, I've actually done a lot of public speaking about my story and stuff. So in case anyone sends me emails saying, am I okay? Um, This is stuff that's happened in my life over over 20 years and I own my past and I've actually spoken about my story in high schools and detention centers and things like that. So um, yeah, just in case anyone's going to send an email, if I'm okay, yes, this is something I've dealt with it like, um, Nick with his past and and it's all good. The um, last scenario, and this is actually a, a friend of mine, a young man, uh, drugs, burglary, has a 15-year-old girlfriend, ends up in jail for two to three years, comes out, absolutely transforms his life, uh, gorgeous person on the inside and out, successful in the areas of, of fitness um, and within his profession, um, has the potential absolutely to make it big, but has held back because when people find out about his criminal history involving a 15 year old, because ultimately that's still an underage offense, even though it was, you know, they were very close in age and and it was 15. Uh, But his determination and will is high. He's one of the most positive people you'll ever meet, but fears the past catching up with him and blocking opportunities. What would you, what would you say to this young man?
0: Yeah, it's a tricky one. And, but what I would say is, you know, everyone deserves a second chance. And um, if someone's, owning up to their mistakes i think it's different if someone's you know denying or not taking responsibility for it but if they are and they're trying to better themselves and i think you know we need to be able to under i mean i think a big thing that i believe is uh the reason people are so judgmental about people in general is because we're not taught in society to understand a lot of the stuff we're talking about today in terms of emotional awareness and you know relationships and people and what makes us tick and you know how, how how can we uh look after our mental wellness so when someone acts out or does anything on a low level or high level often we are very quick to label people it's you know very black and white that's good or that's bad they're in one of mm. two categories if they're in the bad category we write them off and you know i think it's much more complicated it's the gray areas of Hang on, you know what's driven someone to behave like that? Maybe they had a traumatic experience, or maybe this happened. It doesn't excuse any behaviour. You know, people should be punished if they break the law or do something that is wrong. But I think we need to have empathy and try and understand why did people behave that way. And I think that's a real problem that um, in society we more so just like to judge people than try and explore that side of it.
1: Yeah, thank you for going through those two scenarios. That's awesome. Um, there have been more and more claims about poor mental health from reality show contestants, um, you know, especially in the news lately. They sign up to these shows with no real training or mental health advice on the effects of, I guess, instant fame can have. They might get the villain edit on the show and are subject to online trolling, death threats, bad press coverage. Is there any advice that you can give to these sort of wannabe reality contestants?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd say definitely... They should be going in with their eyes open. They should be, my advice would be that, you know, if you're doing it because, which, you know, sadly, I think the reason that most people do it, I I could be wrong. You know, I don't, I can't talk for everyone, but I think, and having been on them myself, I think people do it because they're seeking validation. They want to be famous. They think it's going to give them a career or, you know, a TV career or whatever it is. And the reality is, you know, maybe there are, um, you know, I've been on Neighbours and there's a few actors like Margot Robbie that have become movie stars after being on Neighbours, but they're not a movie star because they were on Neighbours, you know, it doesn't mean I'm going to become a movie star. And the same as being on a reality show because you're Mm. on a reality show, doesn't mean you're going to become this big star. So go and realise what you're signing up for, that it's fleeting. It's a bit of fun. It's, you're probably going to be, uh, have people, um, you know, taking the piss out of you and using you uh, to, you know, get a reaction, because that's the whole point of a reality show. It's about trying to, uh, you know, prey on people and create drama. So I think if people can acknowledge that and understand what it is, then, you know, they're probably not gonna be as affected. I think the problem is most people just are desperate to be famous and go and do it. And after the matter, they realize that, oh God, you know, I I didn't know it would be this hard or I didn't know, you know, this is how they're created or it's this fake or this or that or the other. And then they, you know, get affected by it. So I think people, you know, it's, it's probably more from the production side who are to blame because, you know, at the end of the day, it's preying on vulnerable people.
1: Mm. Well, um, I, I, I want to get back to this guy, Nick Brax. I'm interested to know what a typical week looks like for you. It seems that you sort of do a lot of different things. I'm wondering, you know, what does a typical week look for you? Or is there a typical um, week?
0: Yeah, it's like changing a lot of the time, um, never quite typical, but, you know, in general, it is a lot of things, but it's all under the banner of Move Your Mind. That's my company that I'm building so that, we're, you know, whether it's um, public speaking, you know, creating our programs, the podcast, the book, we're building this Move Your Mind mental health platform into a media company. And the core of everything we're doing is creating media um, content uh, that we can educate people on a mainstream level about mental health, and that goes into in the future, you know, even making short films and feature films um, in that in that realm where we can have the underlying message of mental health, but use it as an educational tool. So that's really what Move Your Mind does. Uh, and then the other thing I do outside of that is is acting. So um, on any given day, I'm um, um, you know doing my own you know practice. I have diff- I learn PEM, which is an acting technique that I practice all the time, which I love. Practicing that, Um, I'm, you know, reading through scripts, um, auditioning for roles. Sometimes a lot of the time, sometimes not a lot of the time. It's very sporadic, obviously. But you know, those are the two different things. And you know, currently living in New York and uh, bringing a lot of the work that I do over here, which has been, you know, so far really great. We've been very fortunate to already have the support from um, Thrive, which is Ariana Huffington's company, and you know, they're getting behind a lot of the work we're doing and helping push it out into the American market and um, you know, it's a slow process, but it's it's definitely, we're seeing results already of, you know, getting it out there.
1: Well, well let's say in a few years time, um, uh, everything you wanted to do in the mental health space was successful. What, what would that look like for you?
0: What I would love would be to, you know, build this into a mainstream platform. And, you know, at the core, what we want to do is make you know, our whole mission statement is we want to entertain the masses about mental health. So what we mean by that is getting, you know, well-known figures, turning this podcast into a big mental health-based talk show, getting them on there, interviewing them, and having real conversations, using that content to get people from all over the world listening to it, and then having them delve into the other resources and learnings that we provide, and, and understanding and educating them about everything else that is out there and what they can do. So really building it into, you know, a mainstream. Uh, media platform embedded in mental health um, and then outside of that obviously I want to keep growing and learning as an actor and you know whether that takes off or not in a big way it's unknown um, something I'll do for the rest of my life Well at the moment that's my view you know that can change as well but uh, you know that's the other part just growing as an actor and learning you know which I think it goes hand in hand with growing as a human I think mm. the, the more evolved you become as a human the, the more it helps your acting and uh, the other way around.
1: Well, the other thing is um, you obviously got your website, nickbrags.com. If someone was to go on to nickbrags.com, what would they see or participate in or be able to get more information about?
0: Yeah. So if you go on there, there'll be a pop-up coming up with all the links to the podcast. So, you know, that would be a first point of call. That's a free podcast. It's available on, you know, it has all the links, Spotify, Acast and Apple podcasts. Um, you'll then see links to, uh our programs one of the mental health masterclass that's the video program that you can actually purchase we've also got uh, free content and free sort of tip sheets that you can uh, download through the website uh and then soon you know we don't have it on there right now but this will be going up soon the, the Move Your Mind book is already available for pre-order. If you go on Amazon and type in Move Your Mind by Nick Brax um that'll come up but we'll soon have the actual link to the book on there. And, you know, you'll be able to have a look at the book and pre-order it and, you know, buy it through there um, if you're interested in it.
1: Well, just uh, one more thing about the book, um, uh, Move Your Mind book. You know, you did speak about it a bit earlier about what's in it. Um, my understanding is it's it's really a very practical type book for all Australians. It's not like a psychology book that you, you know, you've you kind of, kind of got to kind of get your head around. It's it, my understanding it's more about for the, you know, everyday, everyday person about practical tits for their life, isn't it? Is that right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and look, that goes hand in hand with what we already do with everything with the move your mind business. It's all about, you know, I'm not a psychologist. We work with psychologists, but what the realm we're playing in is, we want to be able to give uh, preventative, simple information to, you know, everyone around the world. And, and this book is designed in that way that, you know, it's not your solution to mental health. It's actually, something that you can use to just try and maybe by even five, only 5%, you know, improve your daily behaviors and learn about how can I understand myself more? How can I maybe look at learning how to talk about my own story? Where can I go? What can I do if I'm suffering? Okay. Here's how I can find a psychologist. Here's how I can do that. But here's, here's some really practical things I can do for myself. And it's broken up into in in the middle of the book, it's four key areas around move your mind, which is all to do with movement, you know, for improving your, your mindset. Uh, feed your mind which is about uh, what content we consume and obviously what we eat uh, connect your mind which is about social connection and disconnecting from social media and managing that side of it and then still your mind which is all about mindfulness meditation and sleep so they're very practical and you can learn about those areas but then you've got these experts saying well here's what you can actually do and here's how you can create a daily habit so it's again there is your you know your bible to use you know daily to to just, you know, get that extra bit out of your day and, and, and make a small improvement and a small step forward.
1: Well, moving forward, um, are, are you just going to continue with the mental health sort of advocacy and, and the work that you do and do acting, or are you still open to having sort of opportunities, whether that might be modelling or another business or something, or, are you, or is your focus um, really on one or two things now?
0: Definitely on, you know, um, and like you said at the beginning, you know, I've done a lot of different things and there's only so much one person can do. And I'm really grateful that in my 20s, I tried so many different things and I've refined it and found what I love doing, which is the mental health work and the acting. And for me, it's now about simplifying everything and getting, you know, becoming um, better at how I can do, you know, the two main things that I'm doing, improve as an actor and through this Move Your Mind organisation, just keep improving it, Um and and growing it and helping as many people as we can through it and you know other business opportunities may stem from that in that realm i'm definitely not looking to expand into other areas or industries right now Uh, i think it's you know more than enough to take on with sort of what i'm doing but um you know that's that's the main focus and i think you sort of have to be if you want to do anything and make any sort of impact it's very hard to do it unless you've got unlimited resource behind you Um, Mm. it's very hard to do it if you if you've got too many different things you're trying to do at once,
1: I finally just wanted to ask um, if something has popped up for someone um, in this podcast, or something that has triggered something from their past, or or they're motivated to get help in in whatever um, avenue that might be. What what advice would you give to them?
0: I would say that you know there's there's no there you know there should not be any stigma with this stuff. Like if you go and get help. It's the same as saying, like, this is the way I see it. And I think everyone should see it this way. If my arm was cut open right now, while I'm having this conversation to you and it's bleeding out and I'm feeling dizzy, I'm about to pass out, you know, would any, any, most people in the world logically would go and I'd stop the interview and I'd go and get help. I'd be, I'd be calling, you know, I'd be trying to bandage it up, get to a hospital, get it stitched up. Of course, I wouldn't yeah. leave it. And on top of that, I wouldn't feel any form of stigma or embarrassment about telling people or asking for help about what happened. If mm. you have a problem with your mental health, it is not only in the realm of being the same, it is exactly the same. If you're a male or a female, if you're a human and you live on this planet, you're going to suffer from physical problems at some point in your life and you mm. absolutely are going to suffer from mental health related problems. You might not have clinical depression, but every person on this planet is gonna have ups and downs and problems, you know, mentally. So there's no shame in it. In fact, if you can speak up about it, it takes a lot more courage and strength to talk about it than not, despite what I've been told. So I'd say embrace it, get help, remind yourself that that's actually the right thing to do. You're gonna set an example for other people. You're gonna help yourself. You're gonna hopefully be able to help other people. And it's what we should all be doing.
1: Well, hopefully us talking about it today, um, you know, obviously reduces that stigma, you know, we're open up to talking about anything. So that's awesome. Um, Nick Brax, we'll leave it there, but thank you so much for your time. I love the fact that you are so real and humble and able to honestly open up about your past and use it as such a powerful way to help people with their everyday life. So um, you do an awesome job and, and thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me. I've yeah, enjoyed chatting to you and I'm sure we'll continue chatting and yeah, really appreciate it.